This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. So good to see you. I'm amazed at how much recognition goes on between alpacas and just the, the level of complexity, really. <laughs> um, it's really funny. Yesterday, Millie was stood, Millie the matriarch was stood there eating out of a bowl, and Lena was there. Now, Lena is technically her granddaughter. And they haven't really had that much to do with each other. Millie's got a number of daughters uh, around, different ages. And she's not really had that much to do with Lena, but she's stood there with her head in the bowl. And and, and Lena has stood next to her. And she was actually nibbling at Millie's ear tag. <laughs> so she's kind of... And I'm just thinking, oh, oh, Millie just didn't mind at all. And this is so unusual, I think. I don't know that she would let many, if any, other uh, alpacas do that. So I'm just thinking, oh, that is interesting. Does she know that Lena's her granddaughter? Does she recognise the connection, the family connection there? Really, really interesting. And what is it that they're using in order to identify who family and friends are. And I think they do recognise family, and I've, that's, that's been my experience. There are times they know who, who they're connected to. And there is also this other relationship, which is a definite closest thing to it, is a friendship. They're not related, but they, they're happy they they spend time around each other. They're happy to share a food bowl and other animals they definitely would. Now, I know there's a hierarchy thing that goes on, and that's <laughs> that's interesting and complex as well. And uh, you see some of it, the, the gross kind of granular bits to it, but but the fine detail of exactly what's happening in terms of hierarchy and things, it's I'm sure it's it's a lot more to it than, than we can notice and can see and feel. And it, alpacas have got very good long-distance vision, and they recognise, they seem to recognise each other, even at a distance. Uh, perhaps certainly they can recognise it's another alpaca. And they also recognise things like dogs they don't know, and dogs they do know. And uh, our dogs we, we haven't got now, but um, when they were around, they would they would recognise our dogs, and they would be interested and stand more at alert. But they weren't panicky. They weren't going into overdrive with the uh, long cries, etc. Whereas if it was a dog they didn't know, we had visitors occasionally, and, and the dog would come, and there was this dog, and they didn't recognise it. They would bunch up. They would do the alarm cry. They was they're totally different, and. It's just really interesting that the the subtleties of that, and I think it's to do with with a range of things. But the long distance vision, they're picking up on things, they're picking up on movement. But when you when you think about you and 
how you identify people at a distance and you go, oh, that the way they move, the way they're standing, it's just like so-and-so, but I don't think, and then you realize it is, you were right. You picked up these amazingly subtle cues and you recognize somebody from a distance by the way they stand or move or something or by the way, the way they walk. And I think alpacas do the same. Millie the matriarch, I was just mentioning about Millie, but but she's the one who tends to lead by drifting <laughs> or something. They see where Millie's going and people tend to follow, the alpacas tend to follow. And that's recognizing that it's not just a dark alpaca or a black alpaca that's moving, but this is Millie. And the fact that she's going that way, then we take note of that and we'll wander that way as well. And they do seem to to do that and know that it's Millie that they're following. With the boys, there's a, a couple of boys. We, we had a problem with, with a back injury for one of them, Aiden. He got injured. Uh, no idea quite what was all about. He, he was really in a lot of pain and discomfort. And we had to bring him down and have him in the stable next to, to the girls. And couldn't have him on his own. So I brought, thankfully I chose the, the, the well, first time I chose the wrong one. Oh, I thought they were mates. I thought they were friends, but no, 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 no. I picked the worst one that he could have been with in a small stable. Oh dear. So we had to switch them. And uh, so Aiden and Joseph were together. Now they get on well. Joseph's further down the pecking order in, in with the big boys. And he he's okay. I mean, he'll, hold, he'll hold his own, but he's a little bit reticent and he stands at the back rather than advances and, and makes his presence felt in the midst of things. So, but Aiden and yeah, there's like when we moved Aiden, he really didn't want to go by himself he, and he starts to get a bit, bit twitchy and, and really wants, and Joseph then gets a bit protective and he trying to get in on it. And actually they want to be together. They, they don't like to be separated and he'll call and he'll, mm, mm, mm. and so we, we're getting this kind of communication thing going on and they recognize the sound of each other's voices, of the, the calls that they're making. So they are, they are friends, they're, they're best mates, they like to be together and they don't spend all the time together, but they're always not far. And if you try and move one without the other, <laughs> you're just asking for difficulties. So it's better to, to include even if you don't need Joseph to be included, to include him if you're going to do anything with Aiden. Just every now and again, we, we need to check him over specifically or whatever. So that's that's quite fun. So I mean, they're working on all these different senses. It's not just sight, although it is sight, um, which would be shape, it would be colour, be movement, the way they walk, the, the way they move. There's There's something significant i think on all those things so visually but also the sound that the noises they make particularly you think about mothers and and careers they recognize the voice of their baby and uh if there's anything in the, and the little one makes a um a stressed noise because i'm i'm moving them or i'm doing taking hold of them to take some bramble off or whatever it is the mother is not far behind i mean that they they sometimes will just stand back and watch but they are watching with intent to intervene if they need to. So they're recognizing the voice, even if they're not rushing forward, you know, sort of, okay, you know, he's a big boy now, you can you can sort him out. So the sound is significant as well. Obviously they, they'll hear an alarm cry and that 
affects the behavior of the whole group. And that's what the alarm cry is intended to do. It's to, to rally the troops, to gather them all together, and to alert to the fact that there's a threat of some kind. So that kind of sound you can understand, but there's other noises that they make, and there does seem to be a definite interaction going on. Uh, would you go as far as saying they're talking to each other? Well, you could, but we, it's very easy to anthropomorphize, to to make them sound like people and make their intentions uh, very human. And actually, uh, you can overdo that for sure. But there are other things when you go, actually, this is to do with that. They are listening and hearing a voice that they recognize, a noise that they recognize. The other sense they're going to use is going to be smell. And you get that with the mums and the babies for career. <laughs> There's a spot on the top of the head and the tail. You've got to be careful, you're going to, you know, particularly in the summer, if you're going to put any fly repellent, that kind of thing. Some of it can be quite strongly smelling. Don't get it anywhere to the head or the tail, because that's what the mum is using, those, those two areas. The mum uses that to identify her baby. And this little one comes towards... She has a quick sniff, yes, okay. And then she does this repeated checks um, when the youngsters and the career is underneath feeding. She's all, she regularly turns around, turns, bends around and, and sniffs the, re the rear end. She's just checking. It really is a baby. Well, that's what I think she's doing. And certainly there seems to be a reaction if, it's, if it turns out it's not her baby who's trying to come looking for milk. There's a reaction. Don't, don't, you're the not right one. Move away. So the smell, and I think with each other, they do sniff each other as, you know, they'll stand near each other and, and sniff, and sometimes they stand really close, they just wind each other up. But this thing of being a, knowing who's who and allowing some closer than others for feeding, for sitting down together, for, they, they, they'll they gather, they seem to, you know, I like sitting with so-and-so. So, -and -so. so uh, they will be near, will often... The youngster, you can understand, the mum and, and baby, but, but it's the next generations as well, and, and then these add-on friends as well, that they'll, they'll be next to each other, near to each other. And so this, But they also go to the poop pile and they'll have a sniff. They'll work out who, who else has been around, but also then they're finding the, the bit of the pile to add their next bit of pile to. And there is this kind of recognition of smell, of others and obviously themselves as well. So that's that's an interesting mix of all the different senses. So what are they seeing with their eyes? They, 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 the colour does seem to be, they can recognise that. You get a little groupings often of queer of the same colour seems to 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 kind of buddy up and they'll they'll sit together and, and various things. Not to the exclusion of everybody else, but there is that recognition and there's slight difference. That they're picking up on. There's also then the the sounds, the smells. Uh, touch less so, probably. <laughs> who, who, what do I know? Uh, it could be significant as well, but there's some obvious things that I have been noticing. The other dimension is how they interact with us, and I I think I mean, they're using the same approach that our packers, and they're using the same approach. They recognise me from a distance by my walk by the clothes that I wear and by the sounds that I make. So I call them and they know it's me. Somebody else calls and they just kind of stand and stare. They're not going to go anywhere. But I can get them to respond and to come down 
for feeding because I use the same calls. And they recognize and I'll, I'll calm them by so sometimes if I've gone out in the night and I've used a, to- a torch, they can see the bright light, but they can't, they don't know what it is, don't know who it is. So I always talk to them and they, they just relax more because they know it's me and it's, I'm less of a threat. <laughs> not, not completely, I know, but I'm less of a threat than some other things. So there is that thing of recognizing my voice and I always use their names. Uh, and I've talked before about some of them. Millie is a great example, Millie the Matriarch. She's a great example of recognizing her name. And there are some of the others that when you talk to them, if you're doing things in a in a pen, when you're doing uh, treatments or vaccinations, or whatever, it's okay. Okay, Millie, it's your turn. And there's a different, she moves in a different way. She's responding to that, recognizing that you're giving her the attention. And I always try and calm them by using their names and by, by talking gently to them. There's no need for shouting. No need. I, I whistle a bit. Uh, sometimes I sing. Amazing. I'm not going to sing for you now, but I do sing. And hmm, do the alpacas enjoy that? I'm not quite sure. They they sometimes seem to respond a little. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether they understand quite what singing is all about. But yeah, all those kind of things, that the sounds that you make, it brings familiarity and that sense of this is okay. This is somebody I know. And trust he's not a threat or not too much of a threat. Let's just keep our eye on him and be ready. But he probably is safe to be around. So that's a, a good place to get to. But they, sometimes I'm wearing a hat because it's raining or my head is cold. And they give me a funny look and they, they behave slightly differently. And that, I think, is because they don't recognize the hat. If I'm wearing the same, it's, the weather's in a particular place for a, a week and I wear the hat every day, then they get used to it. So there's a familiarity of clothes. And I think probably of smells as well. I quite often will will find some of them will leaning leaning in to have a little sniff of me. Uh, and I'm not sure how deep that is in terms of are they getting multiple layers of thing? Are they just checking it it's me? Um, I think certainly checking it's me, but but it could be other things as well. And we we know with dogs and cats and just that kind of extra, so, oh, it's a massive extra dimension that they live in, that that being able to to sense and smell tiny little traces of things, uh, dogs tracking and all that kind of stuff. So alpacas, they don't need that scent in the same way to track things, but they, they need to be aware of potential threat and predators. And so it's quite a developed sense as well. You regularly will see them leaning down or forward and, and sniffing and you can see the nostrils going and, and they're obviously clearly drawing in air and trying to catch some scent. So they recognize us, our clothes. Our hats. Occasionally we, we had one one time somebody borrowed a, a coat that belonged to Sue, my wife, and uh, the alpacas thought it was Sue until they got up close and suddenly realized, oh, no, no. so there's a multiple range of sensors they're working on. It's not just one thing. And uh, that was a surprise for Megan, who normally will come over and say hello to Sue, uh, who suddenly discovered it was Sue's coat, but it wasn't Sue. So there you go. So there's this whole kind of dimension of things going on. And we can spend time, again, oh, any excuse I know, to, we can spend time with the alpacas and observing these things. And some of that 
helps to understand their behavior, helps to understand why they do or don't do certain things. And if there's unfamiliar sounds or unfamiliar smells, you just need a bit more time for them to process and to determine that it's different, but it's still okay. And I tend, I don't, whether it's a good thing, I don't know. I often won't put any, uh, I was going to say aftershave, but I don't wear aftershave, but you know what I mean? Any, any body sprays or anything like that, they've got a particularly strong smell. I tend not to use um, because I think it could be confusing if it's there sometimes and not always. Um, but uh, so I <laughs> just guess I get spat at as well. So I use that when I get back to the house rather than before I go to the alpacas. But uh, yeah. So yeah, spend some time with an alpaca if you can. And just observe, see what's going on. See if you can start to notice any of these things I've, I've mentioned. Uh, and watch their behavior between each other and see what it is that they're responding to. So there we are. More animal behavior. There's your homework for this week. Go spend some time with an alpaca if you can. Take care. Hope you're keeping well. And that the weather is being as kind to you as it can be. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.